Good day, fellow Gooners, and welcome to another episode of a Totally Arsenal podcast. I'm your host, Mourne, and my co-host, Aiden. How's it, guys? A very good week to be an Arsenal fan. Two massive games and two massive results that went our way. Let's first go to Vicarage Road. It was a very nervy encounter at first. Um, first few minutes, actually, I think the first one and a half minutes into the game, Leno got forced into an error and almost, you know, cost the um, conceded position, but luckily gave it out for a throw-in. Yeah, I think also with regards to the game, uh, you know, of all the away games so far, I think this is one of the, about, uh, the way I'm like listening also to some, you know, football critics and, and fellow uh, football fans, this was almost like one of the three trickiest games also because it was like Goodison Park was already going to be number one. Then it's this one at, at Vicarage Road and then still coming up the one at Wolves. So it was always going to be a nervy type of game because I was just thinking to myself, you know, I would take anything to get away from you, even if it's just a point. I mean, of course, we have to always think positive in it, but I just think if you think of, of, of I think it was the last season when we got sucker punch like that at the end. Yes, of, yes. It was quite those, bad. those sort of thoughts were now, you know, really getting on my on my mind. So the Watford crowd were also up for it because, I mean, you could see that the, the players were also, you know, feeding off that vibe because, I mean, that the place was rocking and, and Arsenal looked almost like shell-shocked at the, at the manner in which, uh, was, what's the coach's name, Javi Garcia, the Watford coach? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the way they were now, you know, pressing high and, and forcing us into errors or, you know, where we just ending up having to put the ball into touch. Um, on four minutes, the likes of Femina and Gray and Hughes were getting us in all sorts of trouble. Uh, it looked as if it was, was going to be one of those nights. On eight minutes, Femina again whoops in another cross, a uh, deflects into the natural arms of Leno. Uh, on the, in the tenth minute, totally against the uh, run of play, Arsenal go one all up. In a rare AFC attack, which fizzled out into nothing, Daryl Janmaat made in a cardinal sin for a defender. Instead of hitting the ball downfield or into touch, he decides to turn back towards his own goal and play the ball off to the goalkeeper. Ben Foster, with uh, not only really anticipating the, the back pass, decides to take it very cool and allows the ball to run across his body. In that time that he takes, the, you know, takes his mind off by doing that. Aubameyang already springs up for the chance. He starts closing the keeper down like a stalking panther. Uh, as uh, Foster's about to strike the ball, Aubameyang sticks out the foot and the ball smashes in of, in goal of Aubameyang's foot. One or Arsenal totally, totally against the run of play. I was actually in shock, you know, and, and the way you mentioned it now, I also thought it was like it was an animal stalking another animal in the wild because... He, it does, he didn't see any danger coming from it. And then the next thing you just see, Aubameyang's on him. And, you know, that could have been Leno's fate earlier on in the game. And, and, and look how the games... And that swung the game, I would say, into Arsenal's favour. At that point, yeah. And then I think on... Uh, what was... Uh, still buzzing Even. from the uh, The goodness was that thought we in dreamland. And on <laughs> 11 minutes, Troy Dini got his marching orders for giving Torreira a four-arm heat against the side of his face. Now, whether some in the media quarters go, no way, that shouldn't have been a red card. The intent, the choice, the intent was there from uh, Dini to hurt one of the Arsenal players because, you know, not just now, but I mean, previous seasons also, he was always getting stuck in, even if Arsenal players were laying off the ball or getting a pass away, he'd still either stomp on the foot or, you know, uh, shoulder barge the player. So 
you know, it's almost like the, the, the chickens came back to roost. So, you know, he got his, he got what he deserved. I, I have no sympathy for him there. It was a very debatable topic, you know, listening to other pundits. They're saying if the red was a taller guy, it would have hit him against his chest and wouldn't have been a, a, a red card. But, like, you know, you have to take each situation as, as it comes. I mean, you know, Torero's not a tall guy. So the ball, so it was like a kind of a dangerous action. I mean, it could have hit him anywhere in his head and he could yeah. have been concussed even or something like that. So, and he, you know, Troy Dini always says, like, you know, that thing about Arsenal not having Coney's and they like wrapping Arsenal up. So, like you said, I think justice was served. And for me, he gave the referee a decision to make and they gave a red card. Yeah. I mean, it was also a good call by the line because, I mean, he saw it also. I think he even saw it clearer than the ref. I mean, even though the ref was closer, he actually saw the intent of the, you know, arm smashing against the head. So, you know, I mean, we've had decisions like this was a go against us. So, you know, even Stevens anyway. Um, For me, after the red card, I thought, you know, 2-0, 3-0, 4-0, Arsenal are going to go into overdrive. But, like, sorry to interrupt, but, yeah, carry on after that. Now this is now also where things start turning awry because all of a sudden Watford were not uh, were playing more positive football. Arsenal looked more shell shocked having to deal with having to play with a man more because someone like they just did not know how to deal with Watford because all of a sudden Watford seemed to you know even though it's more running in that for them they also knew how to you know uh, deal with being a man down so they were also even letting the ball do the work. And also catching our, our players off because uh, I mean we were again in a situation where the odd uh, route one ball was also causing us all sorts of problems again. Yeah, I, I think we did miss Socrates a lot in this game. Like you could see the the, the hole that was left. I know we're gonna touch up with on like Thursday's game, but you just see the difference in the team when Socrates plays and when he doesn't play. Yeah, and I mean in the remaining thirty-four minutes of the first half, Leno had to pull off some great saves. Yes, my cascot and a, a, a Kapui free kick, which I mean you could clearly see was going to the top corner. Uh, chances for Arsenal were few and far between as we tried taking the sting out of the match. At halftime, Ozil came on for Torreira, with Emery seemingly wanting to go on the offensive against Tim and Watford. Uh, seemingly started to do the trick as Arsenal started to hold a bit more uh, position because I think that is where we were also, uh, you know, our downfall in the, in the first half because. We're giving up, even though we were a man extra, we were giving up a lot of position. Yeah, it, it, it was. I thought Arsenal would have maybe put their foot on the ball, you know, let let Watford run around because eventually they'll tire. Just keep it like a training ground exercise. Pass, 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 pass. You know, I, don't, I just want to interrupt, sorry. But for me, it's like you can actually see they are a, a fit teammate because, I mean, if you look at the way they played against Wolves in that semi-final. Yes, yes, the, yes. Semi-final, right? Yes, the semi-final. Yeah. I mean, to play through extra time, almost like at, at full tilt. And I mean, you watch them play now that game as well, where they now, you know, almost like we're down to 10 minutes and they were still playing to their full potential. Yeah, they could. They could. I'm not sure if they still play any of our top four rivals, but I think if they do, they could still cause a few problems. I mean, they almost gave United a run for the money a few weeks ago. So, like, I was impressed with their performance. You would have said Arsenal were the team that were down to 10 yeah. men, actually. Um, on 59 minutes, Emery then changed the formation. Guendouzi came, came on for Mavropanos as Arsenal switched to a 3-5-2 formation. Uh, on 62 minutes, 
Um, Messina again, uh, eats the crossbar. Arsenal then get us out to get more wasteful with the chances we were meant to eke out because I was starting to get, you know, nervous, especially that last, uh, so 30, uh, 25, 30 minutes. I was starting to get nervous because the longer it wore on at 1 0, I mean, you it took it would take probably one gaff at the back or whatever. And, I mean, we could be 1 1 because, I mean, yes. we also started to play now a type of game where we play catch up in the, in the top four race. And I mean, Chelsea did throw away um, points against when Liverpool beat them. So Liverpool did us a favor. And and to, my, to me, I thought, just please don't throw this game away. Please don't throw this game away. And like for me, I didn't have nails left actually at the at the end of the game because we were playing against a 10-man Watford side, but we were shaky and shaky. And I have to thank uh, Ainsley Maitland-Niles actually for, for the points. Oh, that, that save it he made, that, that block. Yeah. Oh, my heart was literally in my throat at that point. I'm like, oh, no, because I was just actually waiting for... I can't even remember the player that... Was it, was it Gray? Or I can't remember the guy that was Drake allowed. Was, I love a lot of problems in that team. Oh, and, and I, I I just don't know. Like, you know, we can't, we can't afford the rest of these games to um, actually continue in the manner did away from home. You know, as we now round off this match, um, you know, it's all about wins also, but this, I mean, one thing I must say, I think I mentioned to you and, and probably a few other people, uh, this game, you know, actually goes up there with probably one of the worst uh, matches I've like, watched. I mean, like, basing it on on, on uh, um, more of an attacking-wise. Because I think at the back, we actually held them at bay to a degree, you know? So, it's yeah. like they, all, they did their job to a degree, but I think at the in midfield and attack we were we were like you know no idea what to do really toothless up front because I mean we could have carved this team up if we had to but there were there were too many even the the, the like the, some of the people that came on like to bring a more attack minded feel to it they were also fluffing their chances so it's not like we kept the longer we were fluffing our chances the longer Watford not just stayed in but you know we take the three points. We, you know, we need to now start consolidating that fourth or third or fourth spot that we're going to gun for. For, for me, um, in this game, Mkhitaryan uh, was, was starting to really get to me. Like, uh, you know, uh, he, he's, he's had his fair share of games where he stepped up. But for me, this was one of his one of yeah. his worst games as well. He should have buried the game. He had few chances and he was just like, I don't know if he just doesn't feel like being at Arsenal anymore because... That, like I've never seen someone really can that one chance here where he just kicked the ball and it just went horribly skew and that volley as well. I think it was in the sixth fifty eighth, fifty-fifth minute where he had a clear volley and he just volleyed it straight into um was it Ben Foster. So I I do think that you know maybe his time is out at the club and I do think also in this type of game we saw that we missed an out and out winger guy that would have ran and turned basically what um, Watford over all the time. They think they almost faced their own goal having to chase back because we didn't really have anybody but Aubameyang to actually take people on. Yeah, and I mean, uh, I mean with, with regards to Mkhitaryan, I think I even saw an article by Ian Wright also where he also said he, he was very disappointed because he said, you know, he knows that guy's potential. I mean, if, if you look at his performances when he was at Dortmund and, and almost like he couldn't... 
was, at one point you can actually cherry pick his, his performance at United because it's also been very much like you see with us. You'll play one or two good games and then you'll just go missing for, you know, months or weeks even. So, uh, not a good thing really. But I think he will probably, you know, if an offer does come in, I don't think Emery would be, you know, unhappy if one came in for him. Um, we switch our attention now to Napoli. Uh, the crunch game in Naples uh, needed to be on our A game for this tie. Um, a lot at stake. I mean, Emery proved me wrong and somewhat right. Uh, he opted for 3-5-2. I was more expecting 4-2-3-1. Um, but both of us, I think we spoke in the last podcast, we were right with the, the grafters that we needed because with Ozil being dropped, you already knew, okay, what was now going to be expected in midfield. A lot of hard work, a lot of tackling, tracking back. And, you know, when counters are needed, count, you know, we had players that could now do both jobs. And and for me, I felt actually we were, we were real comfortable in that game. Yes, I had a few scares here and there, and, and we will get into it. No. But I didn't, you know, feel that nervous. You know, before the game, my stomach was turning. And for a long time as a, as a Kuna, I didn't have this feeling because I knew what was on the line. And I had that excitement as well. Like, you know, we almost um, in a semi-final. And in, I know it's the Europa League, but yeah. the excitement is like, you know, we, we, we could be there to that European um, finals. But where I do hats off to Emre, the way he managed the game and to the team as well. Like like you mentioned, this team selection, you can see the, the guy knew what he was doing in Europe. And I mean, to be honest, I was expecting, I think you mentioned that just a few minutes before, uh, a big, big backlash from Napoli. But I mean, Arsenal dug in well, and after a few minutes, my confidence also grew in the game. When you know, so look, okay, we're holding them at bay. Um, we started the game, you know, cranking up the pressure. Napoli needed to, you know, shake off the rut they were in because you could see they were trying things, but it wasn't like paying off. Uh, at first, it was like being overrun in midfield, and then it was like being swarmed in defense. So, you know, they needed also something to get to the other side of the field. And I mean, that. The real big chance for them came, I think, in 16 minutes. Um, when Aubameyang lost position from our corner, um, Napoli then sprung a, a 3v2 counter-attack. Uh, Fabian played the ball wide to, I think, Koulibaly, who in turn sprayed the ball wide to Callejon. And the Spaniard then denied brilliantly by Peter Cech. Yeah, Peter Cech definitely rolled back the years with that save. I mean, that, that moment also could have changed the game. But, you know, luckily for Arsenal... Going back to the first leg, we never gave the satisfaction to Napoli of getting that away goal because that away goal would have made a mat- massive mm-hmm. difference. True. And you could see um, Napoli was starting to, you know, playing with that bit more anxiety because now mm-hmm. if things if things don't happen, they don't have that second leg anymore. They had to make it happen now. And I think the longer it remained nil nil, I started feeling more and more confident. I think we spoke about it in the previous podcast where you said, where I said first ten minutes. Next 10 minutes, uh, next 10 uh, minutes. I was like, watching the clock for that. What I was wanted to add was, you could what you said was with that anxiety and that, you could actually see the way they were, were doing their thing in the game. It was almost like, you know, they were choking up every time they had a header or a, a shooting chance. And I mean, I, I see a lot of people try to play it down. You know, it was like not to give us really credit. I mean, this is what annoys me really of... of Sometimes opposing fans, of course, sometimes it's banter, yes. But when you have pundits or they were trying to almost like play down your performance, if you think Napoli have just lost once at home this season, 
I mean, they ate at, at, at the studio, was it San Paulo? San Paulo, yeah. Yeah, so I, I was not thinking we were going to get a bit more credit for that because I think they said only Juventus really nicked off points there, right? In, in yeah, they beat them 2 1, yes. Juventus, Liverpool had, had a tough time there. PSG, I believe, had a tough time Wait, there. So. Yeah, PSG through there, and, and um, Liverpool, uh, I think Liverpool lost, they lost in 2 1, I think. Something like that. But, and and but we we like they remember too um last week they said oh no Arsenal two 0 wasn't enough look even I thought at the at one point two 0 wasn't enough but then when we were watching this Arsenal team defend I was like you know this is really actually um comforting to see us defend like this I mean in between the twenty fourth and twenty seven minutes Milic was I think first he was he dinked the ball over checked which went into the net, but was, of course, an offside position. Then, of course, Belicho then also fluffed another chance where I think he, had a, I think he stole away from our defence and, and he had almost like a free header, but he ended up heading more towards the corner flag than the goal. And then um, on 32 minutes, bad news as Ramsey goes down, clutching his left hamstring. He even got subbed by Mkhitaryan. Uh, and I hope that's not the end of his season. Like, have you heard anything about um, Ramsey's in no. that, or I mean, there, there was one little headline, but I mean, of course, you can't sometimes take all the uh, newspapers at, at, at face value, really. But I mean, some said three weeks he could be out because I think it's more a, a strain than a tear, so it could be that. Because I think if it was something like a, a, a tear that's about what eight weeks, yeah, about eight weeks out, so but I think it's more a strain. So, I mean, of course, we're going to keep track on also how things are. In the media, when they when they update us with regard to Max's Rams health, luckily then I think I've, oh on thirty six minutes, finally the breakthrough for Arsenal. Uh, Lacazette curls a beautiful effort around the wall with what I can only call a flat trajectory free kick. Mary tried to guess to the right, but the ball ended up you know totally wrong footing him and nestled in the other side of the net. A vital for Arsenal. And for me, Merit was one of Napoli's best players over the two legs. That guy was really making save after save. And I wouldn't actually mind being interested in a team, you know, maybe, you know, as a number two to come in for Czech or something like that, who could maybe, you know, push Leno. Because for me, I was impressed with him. I don't know how you what your thoughts were on Merit over the two legs, but he really um, surprised me. Like, I never knew much about him. And when I heard, like, oh... Um, He's Juventus kind of number two keeper. I was like, oh, we're going to have fun with this guy. But he was actually, you know, making save after save. And for for me, like I said, I never knew that guy had a free kick like that in him. I don't know, like, when I watched that free kick we need, if I must know, if it reminded me of a, of a four, like an ex-player, not ex, yeah, a former player, but more an ex-footballer, it really reminded me of Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank because... The backlift wasn't that high, and I mean the way he was hit, he hit that ball it was like a very flat, you know, you know, a lot of t- top spin on the wall, but also very flat. And I mean, the way the wall bent around the, the the ball bent around the wall. I mean, he had absolutely no chance because I was first thinking uh, sometimes they have goalkeepers when you watch Neuer or De Gea and them, they will normally go on the horn just to try to see the ball, just to get a bit of visual, you know, of the ball. Between the players' legs, and he just like kind of stood and made his judgment based on the middle of the goal where he was standing, and I think that is what was in a way deceived him when that whoop came in on that ball. 
I think that you could see what that goal meant to the Arsenal players as well. They were like you could hear, I don't know if you could hear them, but I could hear them like going on. Um, yeah, I could hear the mics pick up this. Yeah, I got goosebumps as well for that moment because like you could just see like how much the goal meant to me and what it meant to all the Arsenal players because this was almost like a impossible task and the odds were against us. I mean, the upbeat studio of San Paolo went flat with a near deathly silence. They knew the team now needed four goals without reply. And I think that also started then spreading itself from the uh, stadium also onto the players because, you know, the, the, the Napoli were coming in fits and starts with, with chances. But again, what you were saying before, they were choking up. They were not uh, like uh, that one chance I remember also of an insignia where. He was clear, and I really thought he was going to rather, like, you know, do like on the retype finish to the far corner. Yeah. And he ends up trying to lob it, but the ball comes so low down. I think Chick caught the ball by, by his knees, just above his knees. <laughs> and I thought, wow. I, I think Insignia had a few chances in that game, you know, where I think eventually Angelotti just got fed up of him and just um, um, hooked him off after his last attempt that he had at Peter Chick. And I don't know if you know this, and uh, going into the second half, it was quite comfortable. But um, do you know we were, we were playing with 10 men at one stage in the game? I just, uh, wait, 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 let me just put it like this. I know that it's, it's, on social media, it caused a lot of hilarity and I mean, the real fun memes and whatever going about. But I did not recall, I mean, at one point I was first thinking, why is the ball going straight from Kosciolny out to Kolasinac? Uh, Where is the, the, le- like the left side? Yeah. And then only afterwards, when they said like something like ten, what's it, ten minutes or so later, you just see Montreal coming to be uh, puts his hand up to be brought back on the pitch by the ref. But that but that just shows um, how comfortable we were. That that, that I, I didn't know as well until I actually saw the social media memes and things like that. But um, I honestly didn't know, and I feel that also speaks testament to Arsenal as a defensive unit on the night. But it was a brave time to take a toilet break. Eh? <laughs> yeah, I, and I, but I, I actually saw like a lot of people, you know, yeah, that's the caliber of the Europa League. Montreal would never do that in the Champions League. I, I don't think like, you know, that it's the case of uh, Champions League or Europa League. I just think sometimes if you have to go, you have to go no matter what the time. But I mean, I, I think all our fans are like this. I mean, when I think of, when you see who makes the most fun at the moment with regards to this, uh, you know, our campaign on the Europa League. And yet, if you take a few years back, Chelsea were playing the heart out in this tournament to get the trophy. Man United played the asses off throughout playing full strength nearly in, in all the rounds. So, I mean, it's, I mean, of course, we were also having banter back and forth. But I think now we very focused on the, you know, the, the task at hand. So, I mean, I'm just happy. We're coming through whether it's league now form or cup form. Um, uh, I think okay, yeah, okay, carry on. You go, you carry on. Uh, Napoli seemingly also not coming to grips with the Arsenal offside trap. That was also something I picked up because every time I think Arsenal knew they're gonna be you know very very adventurous, so they're not really gonna watch the line. So you could actually see Cosiolni every time glancing across his line and then giving a shout, and you would see them all step up. Normally, Insigne was getting caught off or Milic was being caught off. Yeah, it, it was 
something over the years that, you know, as an Arsenal fan, so many times I've seen our defence keeping their arms up in the air and the guy just ghosting through on goal and scoring. So I think there's been a lot of work on the offside trap, but it was definitely a plan Napoli tried to execute. They did the first leg. I think they were watching Everton because Everton was playing that a lot against Arsenal. But I think maybe, you know, unlike, and I don't want to, like, bash Wenger, but I think maybe Emre has been working on their flaws defensively because you can see it, but they're, they're obviously Arsenal a bit, you know, brittle, but mm. they're not as bad anymore. They don't make the same mistakes continuously. And Napoli were almost looking like Arsenal getting caught offside all the time. I think we also start to get more, um, well, not uh, not we really, um, I would say Una Emery, I think he's getting now a, a bigger picture of what exactly will be needed for the summer because you can actually see where he's been tweaking and, and, and you know, whether it's taking people out or almost like if you're forced to put a play in that you're not really a big fan of, we are still adapting to, you know, that sort of game plan. So I think, like I said, he knows what he wants now, I think, for the summer. He probably already has. I'm sure his targets, and I mean, he probably been talking also to uh, Raul Salehi, and and you know, if if we still now, if we, may, uh, I'm not sure how far we are with the director of football that we still need to get in, because I'm uh, or technical director, sorry, but that is still almost like hanging in the air. But I think the the manager and the uh, you know almost like the CEO of the club, they do know what what's now needed in a way. Yeah, uh, I do think Emre, you know, is starting to also find, like, you can see what he sees is his team. I mean, he's almost set his team out differently now away from Omi. I think uh, Uzel, the last two away games, really never started yeah. because, like, he's not really a crafter. But, but for me now, we're going to have to find a way to fit Uzel into the team because Rand is not going to be there anymore next season and we need this kind of, you know, even if you use Uzel as a false nine and kind of tuck, um, like I said, in a Bobbyang with him or something like that, because we can't afford to have a player on that wage for not being able to play in high-profile games. And then, I mean, 61 minutes, Shaka then has, uh, you know, has that run his race. Because, I mean, he was doing a lot of running and, and closing down in the game. And he got substituted by Al in on 68 minutes. Um, Iwobi came on for Lacazette, who, of course, did not look happy being substituted. Um, though I think, you know, Emery was also thinking more on the lines of the Sunday game versus Palace. So, I think that was also what, what Lacazette, uh, I know he was mentioning the other day of not being happy sometimes of being subbed and that. But I think that is also where you have to also be a, a team player because, look, he's our, he's our golden boy at the moment and we need to protect him where we can. You know, if, if the job looks done, and as you said also, the game was also petering out to really nothing. So, I mean, we might just all pull him and let him get himself, you know, rested out for... Because, I mean, the, the games are coming also thick and fast. I mean, it's like we played Monday, we played Thursday, we played Sunday, and we play again on Wednesday. So, one has to also keep that, that, that freshness going through the squad. You don't want to also burn people out. Especially with so many high-profile, high like you said, games coming up as well, like the Europa League semi-final to look forward to. That's an additional two games to our fixture list. So, you know, you don't want to be having only a Bamiyang fresh come these games because I hate to say it, there was a chance in this game as well against Napoli where Bamiyang could have buried it completely yeah. in the second half. But I don't know, he, he, he keeps on he keeps on missing the important chances for me. I know he, he does get his goals and probably people may think I'm crazy because he's second top scorer 
Like, what is it? Third time scoring in the Premier League with 18 yeah. goals at the moment. Yeah, because, I mean, he, he's somebody that can actually decide a tie just with one or two of his goals that he fluffs, on, like the chance that he fluffs. Because, I mean, that, as you said, that could have, imagine that now went in that second and you can even take off even bigger, like your, your, your maybe one of your key centre-backs that you need to rest out or something like that. If the game now looks, you know, done and dusted. Um, back on to the game. Uh, you know, Napoli went on to blow a few more chances. Insignia, Milik and Callihan all guilty. Uh, a few more chances went begging. One even from Montreal, who almost divert, diverted the ball into his own net, but Czech was on point and managed to clutch the ball out. Um, a win for us and a date in the semifinals with Valencia. Uh, I think old boy Coquelin will be suspended for the first leg, but I do believe, I think, uh, Gabriel might get a run out though. I do, I do think Valencia could be a, a tough game. Um, I watched a bit of the um, game against Villarreal, like the highlights of it. I know you can't just call it the highlights, but they do seem a very organized team in Europe. But I do believe um, when we threw Napoli, I said to you, I remember I messaged you and said, like, no, I can't see us um, pulling this game off. And you still told me, be calm, take it game by game. You, you Like for you, you believe we can take it. So I do think Valencia could be a, um, a easier game, but you never you never know. We always had bad luck against Valencia. I mean, like, for me, every game brings different challenges. That is my take. I mean, I've been like that as when I used to play football or when I used to do coaching or when I used to now also like being an Arsenal fan. You have to take every game almost like on his merit because each team is going to come with a different thing to throw at you. And I mean, that is where... Preparation also now comes in, into play because, look, we now have a manager who, I mean, look, this is what Wenger used to do, I think, in the first, about say, 10 years of his career. And then afterwards, I don't know, when, when things went into a comfort zone and so the players we were bringing in were not really up to task, what, you know, to what the standard we were now being held up at, especially now with the moving of, of the stadium from Ivory to the Emirates. But I think now, again, we have now a manager, finally, that you can see he does his homework now. Like, every... Like he has a, a, a like, what's that, like something like a portfolio on every team, so he knows what okay, what they're gonna be throwing at us, what they're gonna be throwing at us, and like as we now lead, going, you know, uh, we lead the, the the podcast now into the Crystal Palace game on on Sunday. We already know he's gonna probably have a, a plan set out for Wilfred Zaha and for Andros Townsend because they are the two linchpins that are that can be or can cause a hell of a lot of damage to any team. I just hope that you know, Crystal Palace probably uh, is on holiday already, just waiting for the season to end because they you know, obviously the team doesn't have much to play for. But uh, I do think we'll probably see Uzel back into the fray now again. Yeah, because I mean, uh, this is actually one of the points I jotted down. Like, for me, the stage is set, like, this is set for Uzel now because it's our own game. He's going to be able to uh, look, they will, Crystal Palace will throw caution to the window. I mean, look, they will attack when they can. But I mean, they in general, they will throw caution to the wind because they know we're already on uh, something like, what, 10, 10 home wins in a row streak. So they're going to be careful of how they come at us. They, you know, they're not going to play too open type football. So it's going to take a lot of us. And I think Ozil is going to be the one probably that will have to pick this lock for us. You know, speaking about our home form, I, I, I strongly believe, and you know, I don't want to get too far ahead of myself, but if our home form can, you know, be like this, because let's face it, the Emirates is a fortress at the moment. When mm -hmm. teams are coming to the Emirates, I'm actually sitting confidently and believe, like, you know, 
almost nothing less than a win. But yeah. if we can somehow get our waveform to be better on the road, we could be title challengers. I'm not saying we're going to win the league. I'm just saying we could be up there and thereabouts because if your home form is sorted and you can, you know, the way we started off away from home this season, we were, we were getting the points, mm-hmm. but just, we just, there was just that lull that we had. But if we can, you know, play at that level continuously and pick up the points away from home, I don't see why we won't be in the um, title race. But I mean, I, I, my take with that, you know, with, with regards to form home and away, I think it's also down to, uh, you know, with, with the way form, you also need that leaders that, you know, that, that we, we, everybody's always talking about the spine from going from the goalkeeper, centre back, midfield, and attack. We at the moment, we, I think there's, there's a, a, almost like a missing link because we've got people like Torreira and Guendouzi and Chaka that's now starting to command in the midfield now. But we, we still don't you still have that un, uh, unsure factor in the in the defense and I think I mean I mean I'm not saying now Harry Maguire type player but you know you need some you know uh, maybe an old fashioned type of English centre back that, that can just pull everyone together even if they're not maybe uh, the cleaning the squad as a skipper but they can lead from defense you know whether it's from verbal or you know just technically reading the game way way better than you know what we currently have and I think. That is where what's also letting us down in a way. It's like a almost like a Van Dyke type play, you know, the way he, he came into um to Liverpool and Liverpool were also leaking a lot of goals, but once he came, they became like watertight almost. Yeah. So do you have anything else to discuss before we end up? Uh there's one thing I want to discuss, or two things I actually want to ask you. Um, you know how our how we played against Napoli. Now yeah. do you think that is due to Emre setting the team up well, or do you think it's actually because we went into this game with a 2 0 lead, so we actually didn't have to go out there and score? So, do you think uh, we our next away game we could see a similar Napoli performance, or could we go back to our Premier League performance because we're actually starting the game at 0 0 and not having a first leg 2 0 lead? I think this could be a plan of Emery for the away form because. If you look, I mean, uh, I would actually say otherwise if we had not just sat back, which is like an old-fashioned way of, of playing away from home and, and you know, you know, allowing the team to come on to us type of thing and then, then springing it on them. But, I mean, for, for me, the positivity started from the first whistle where they were... Because, I mean, like, there was also a key moment, I think it was, I know, it was like fourth, fifth or something minute, where we were, uh, I think, Koulibaly and somebody were playing in the one corner and Arsenal were making it so tough for them because... I think uh, from from two players trying to close down, it ended up being three and four Arsenal players. And I think in the end, they uh, when they gave the ball to Merritt, he just ended up kicking the ball out of touch. And I mean, that was almost like the sign of things in a way also of the sort of, of that that should actually be the away from. Because now that you mentioned that, I was thinking the other day about when I was watching teams like, uh, say, Man City or uh, uh, Barcelona or whatever, or even like Liverpool as well. When they go away, they will play the same way they play at home. You don't see any tweak or whatever. They play if they play attack, attack, attack. That is how it's going to go. Home, away, and they they do their thing. And I mean, as long as they're going to force in submission, or you're going to change your, you might you might change your formation, but you're going to still end up only playing into the ends. The, the problem with me is like, I think Arsenal sometimes the defense doesn't allow them sometimes away from home to go attack, attack, attack because we're very. 
a, a brittle team away from home. So, you know, the cities and the Liverpools now have the team sorted out. So, the summers they, they allowed it luxury of going gang out. No, but, but I think the, the thing that stands out for me now that you mentioned it is like, I think we more, uh, we like discipline. That is where we, I think leadership also comes into be Because we, uh, we, we like discipline sometimes. I was just watching, I think, was it the, could be the Watford game. Look, we knew Watford were trying to lure us out. And every time you would see, uh, look, that is when you must always play in a more assured way, you know, like stable, you know, stay back. Don't just bolt out. So what Watford were doing, and I, and I picked it out, I think, numerous times in that game, they were like knocking the ball about in front of our box. And you had people like, um, say, Kolasinac, from one minute, he's, he's trying to hold his own, you know, at the back. And then all of a sudden, he runs out towards the guy with the ball. In that time, he's doing that. There's no cover coming, you know, dropping deep from the left flank. So, of course, it's now going to be a 2v1 situation. And by the time Kolasinac pulls out of position to close that guy down on the ball, he dinks it over Kolasinac and there's a guy already on the overlap. So, you know, that is, I think that is where we always get caught out at the moment. Because I was watching one game also. I think it was... Uh, I think it could also still be 2019. And that's also what happened to Ainsley Maitland-Niles um, Maitland in numerous games also, where you can see that, that the formation is there, that Emery wants. But all of a sudden, somebody loses their rag a bit, and they end up just breaking breaking the line, defensive line and trying to charge the, the ball down. And in that time, it gets played over, and that's when we get caught up. And that is, I think, something that we need to also really address, like whether it's now, you know, or... In the summer as well. Yeah, now that you mentioned, actually, I do see that shape. And yeah. now, actually, I think everyone's gotten to them to listen because you, you don't see people all now being reckless. We, at, at Napoli, we actually saw them at full tilt discipline. Yeah, people but, are diving in for tackles. Yeah. Um, but now, um, uh, I'm going to take ourselves out now and let us actually be neutrals. And, you know, the title race at the moment that's happening... Uh, Man City and Liverpool, and I'm sure you know you have your kind of team that you want to win it between the two. But with the remaining fixtures, I'm gonna just go. Um, Liverpool have four remaining fixtures, um, City have uh, five remaining fixtures. So, you know, Liverpool play Cardiff, Huddersfield, Newcastle, and Wolves. Do you see any upsets or potential upsets, or do you think Liverpool takes all those games? I think Liverpool take all games, all their games, and but I mean that said, City has a game. Uh, was it a game in end on on Liverpool? And, so yeah, it's always going to be a you know a catch up because it's down to Liverpool to see where the City slip up is going to be. Because I mean I, I think look City is now also walking wounded, so I think they could also take the anger out on Spurs today, which is also a benefit to us. Yeah, so they play Spurs. Uh, Manchester United, Burnley, Leicester, and Brighton. Do you see any potential hiccups for Spurs um, for Man City, or do you think actually I they think, are going to go all the way to go win the title? I think I think today is actually the biggest challenge for them because I don't think United is that big of a pushover for them. Even if it's at Old Trafford, I think they're going to go also full gango at, at Old Trafford. So I think the, the banana, the banana peel is going to come for today's game. I think whether. Yeah. Can I put you in the spot quickly? Uh, Liverpool or City to win the league? City. Oh, okay, I'm also going with City. Okay, so we'll round off there, even though we are <laughs> not <laughs> on the Arsenal meta at the moment. <laughs> but that's it.
I hope you guys enjoy the game tomorrow against Palace. And uh, you know, let's keep a thumbs up for a thumbs our thumbs for City today when they play Tottenham. Hopefully they can also bury them and, and get us again back into third place over the weekend. Hope you guys enjoy the game. Enjoy the weekend. Bye. Enjoy the weekend, guys. <laughs>